Good morning. Please open with me to this morning's scripture reading, which is from Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 9. I'll be reading from the ESV. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in, all, in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went out as the Lord told him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran. And they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land of the place of Shechem to the oak of Morah. At the time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an an altar to the Lord, who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and A to the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negev. This is the word of the Lord. Genesis is a book about beginnings. Genesis is a book about the origins of many things, the origins of creation itself, the origins of humanity, even the origins of our depravity and our conflict. Uh, And it's all preserved and recorded masterfully, by the way, and even poetically in this ancient narrative. Uh, It's very reasonable to to assume that uh, the prophet Moses was the general author of Genesis. Uh, Actually, the New Testament authors and Jesus himself uh, attributed the first five books of the Bible to Moses. Uh, He was certainly trained and uh, prepped in his own life uh, for being able to do something like that. Uh, But Moses pulled together uh, various sources uh, to compose a complex but unified storyline, which eventually was edited uh, to develop the ancient form of Genesis. Uh, But it was compiled by Moses uh, beautifully. Now, I'm going to say this right up front so that you know where I'm coming from. I do not believe that Genesis is a piecemeal compilation of myths and legends. Uh, I believe that Genesis is a unified historical narrative. And um, I think it's an ancient masterpiece. Uh, So I believe when you read Genesis, you are reading truth and historical truth. Now, Genesis sets the stage for everything you're going to see and hear about in the entire Bible. Uh, Genesis establishes the Bible's plot line for our redemptive history, for the story of God's salvation. It all starts in Genesis, and it begins to unfold. And what I'd like to do today is address three questions that I've been wrestling with uh, for the last several weeks, and, and I think you can relate to these three questions. The first one is, why look at Genesis at all? Why look at Genesis right now in the history of our church? Why, secondly, why Abram? You know, why, why, did, why did God choose Abram? 
You know, of all the gin joints in all the towns in all the world, why did God walk into Abram's life of all people and his family? And then the third question I've been wrestling with is, why me? Not just me, uh, us. You know, why does the story of a guy and his family who lived basically 4,000 years ago, uh, recorded in a document that is almost 3,500 years old, why does that make a difference in your life or in my life? Why are we looking at this four millennia later? So why Genesis? Why Abram? Why me? Why you? Why us? That's what we're going to consider today. Now, why Genesis? Here's why. The people whose Genesis, who, the people whose lives are recorded in much of the book of Genesis endured a lot of transition, a lot of instability, and a lot of uncertainty. The author Alex Haley in 1976, published the book Roots. And a year later, uh, it was adapted into a TV series, which, which frankly, in, in America, was hugely popular. And Alex Haley traced the history of just one African-American family over centuries from enslavement all the way through to liberation and beyond. And a cultural phenomenon in the late 70s took place. Uh, through this storytelling of one family's personal history, uh, the corporate identity of an entire people group was solidified. And a similar thing James Boyce once talked about, a similar thing is happening in the book of Genesis as you read it, particularly in Genesis chapters 12 through 50, which is what this series is going to focus on. Moses told one family's story, specifically so that a nation of recently liberated slaves migrating through the, Middle, the ancient Middle East would be able to develop a shared sense of identity and purpose. They had to understand their past so that they could properly anticipate their future. That's what Moses was doing in Genesis. So uh, the character, the central character, you know, because when you think of roots, you think of Kunta Kinte. And when you think of Genesis, you may be thinking of Abram, yet the central character of Israel's history is, is not Israel's ancestor. You know, when the Israelites were, were going through the desert, recently having escaped from Egypt, uh, the central character in their history that Moses wrote out for them was not their ancestor Abram. It was their ancestor's God. So, so yes, Genesis is all about beginnings. And, and when you look at Genesis chapters 1 through 11, it's about the origins of the cosmos. And, and humanity. And, and it, Genesis 1 through 11 is critical. You may be wondering, why are we not doing that now? Well, I'm going to talk about why we're not doing that now. Hopefully, years from now, we will focus on Genesis 1 through 11 because that's critical. Uh, but this year, we're going to focus on Genesis 12 through 50 because it is the story of the origins of a family. It's the history of God's family, the family of faith. And so God's plan for all of us was first implemented with one of us, Abram. 
And Abram didn't choose the God of the Bible. I hope you see that in today's passage. Abram didn't choose Yahweh. God chose Abraham. It was just the opposite. And you see in how he addresses Abram uh, that he chose him for a purpose. Look at, look at the first three verses of Genesis chapter 12. God says to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So a nation of migrating ex-slaves learned that their ancestor, like them, was a resident alien for basically all of his life. So were his children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. But against the instability and uncertainty of this family's life and existence is juxtaposed God's sovereignty and God's grace. And that's what we're going to see. And Deep Run Church is a church plant. We're very young. We're not even four years old as a worshiping community. And we're in a lot of transition. Uh, There is constant instability, uh, (laughs) constant uncertainty. Uh, You were worshiping in another building last Sunday. Yeah? And and that keeps happening. Uh, Some of you were not living in Carroll County three years ago or four years ago or a year ago. Most of us were not worshiping in Deep Run Church with Deep Run Church a year ago, three years ago, four years ago. So most of us know a lot about uncertainty and instability in some form. So let's discover together how God works and specifically how he worked through the journey of this man, of this couple, of their succeeding generations, because they're the ancestors of our faith. So that's one of the few reasons why we're looking at at Genesis for the next several months. Now, what about Abram? Why Abram in particular? Because he's an unlikely progenitor of an entire group of people. I don't know if you've noticed that. There's nothing really impressive about Abram and and Sarai. Uh, You know, to be the progenitors of, frankly, God's cosmic salvation plan, uh, you wouldn't buy it if, if you met this couple. What we learn, first of all, is their future doesn't look very bright. Abe is already 75 years old, okay? How many of you decide to embark upon a second career at the age of 75? Sarai, his wife, is not much younger than him. And we find out, if you go back to chapter 11, verse 30, uh, we, we find out Moses specifically records that Sarai was barren. Uh, this is character development, and that's very important. Uh, in an ancient traditional culture like that, barrenness was, it was a point of shame and embarrassment and feeling unfulfilled in your life. There was nothing religiously exceptional about them either. Uh, we learn in the book of Joshua and we learn in the book of Acts as, as, as their ancestors look back on Abe 
and Sarai, uh, that, that Terah, Abraham's father, uh, and their whole family, they were worshiping, they were, they were pagans. They were, they were idolaters. They were worshiping other gods, uh, Joshua tells us in Joshua chapter 24. Uh, a major deity uh, from the region where they were from was the moon. Uh, some scholars say maybe they worshiped the moon amongst other gods. So their future doesn't look very bright. There's nothing religiously exceptional about them. Uh, But here's the unique irony of the Bible. And you really see this irony begin in Abram's life. God works in unexpected ways, through unexpected means, in unexpected people. The Apostle Paul in the New Testament sheds light on this theme that you see throughout the pages of Scripture, very much beginning right here with this couple. God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. From a human perspective, there was no advantageous reason to implement redemption through Abram and Sarai. From our perspective, there is no good reason to choose them. But God did. God chose Abram and Sarai. And, and here, here's, the, here's the real answer. It's because of his unsearchable wisdom. And for his glory. That's, that's what we get. When we want to know why, it's usually because God in his unsearchable wisdom and for his glory has chosen to do it this way. And we have to accept that. But I would also suggest, according to Paul's insight in 1 Corinthians, uh, that the unlikeliness of this couple required faith. It required faith on their part. It required faith on the part of their ancestors who would later read about their progenitor. When they were trying to understand who they were and where they came from, that they came from two uh, nobodies, they would have to trust. They would have to trust that their identity would be understood and embraced by faith. And it requires you to trust that God was doing something by design in Abram and Sarai. It was critical that the father of the family of faith should live by faith because what we discover in the Bible is that redemption does not come by human means, but by God's means. That redemption comes by faith in God's ability, not in our own. So it was critical that that theme begins with Abram. The author of Hebrews tells us, By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as his inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. And after migrating hundreds of miles, the Bible tells us they pitched their tent in Canaan as resident aliens. Genesis 12 verse 7 tells us, Uh, It was after they pitched their tent in Canaan, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to your offspring, I will give this land. Now here Moses is introducing two major themes 
throughout Abram's story and throughout the book of Genesis. There are several really important themes, but today I'm just going to mention, because we're going to talk about them later, uh, two big themes, the promised land and the promised offspring. And just so that you know, offspring is singular, right? So, So God is talking about a descendant, not just descendants, but someone in particular. And the New Testament has a whole lot to say about this offspring, and we're going to get to it um, in future weeks. But here you have the promised offspring and the promised land. And Abraham and Sarah, by faith, were trusting God with these promises, although they did not see them and experience them in the moment. So far, here's what we learn by God choosing Abram and Sarai, that God's plan to save humanity is big enough to bless all families of the earth. That's people groups, ethnicities. That God's plan was big enough to bless all families of the earth and personal enough to bless unlikely nobodies like Abram. Vast enough to encompass all of humanity and personal enough to be mindful of a single individual of a single family. Have, have you ever asked the question, why me? Have you ever asked yourself or God, why? Why me? As one of our missionaries, Steph Seep, uh, once shared in a staff devotion uh, at, at our former church, because we used to be on the same staff, uh, she said, dear God, who am I and what do you want with my life? That's the question we're usually asking. Even if you're not a Christian, or even if you've grown up and you've lived mostly a godless or secular life, we're all ultimately asking that question, who am I and what do you want with my life? Even if we're not willing to admit we have a creator or or we don't believe he's near us, we're basically trying to figure out who we are and what is our purpose. Now, in answering that question, you can fall into two traps, I've discovered. You can either overemphasize yourself or underemphasize yourself. Now, overemphasis is basically this. You wrongly assume that God has blessed you for your own good. That you are blessed, or you are privileged, or you are successful, or you have a purpose, and that is for you. It is for your enjoyment. It is simply for your benefit. And I think actually, as As children of this culture that we live in, uh, that is very much our tendency to think that we are blessed simply to feel and to be blessed. But Abram's story says just the opposite, that we are blessed to be a blessing. The other trap we fall in is not overemphasis, it's it's underemphasis. Underemphasizing ourselves, it's, um, it's wrongly assuming that that God would never bless you, that God really doesn't care about you, that you're not worth his time, that you're not worth his energy in the universe. Now, overemphasis begets self-indulgence. The thought that uh, God exists for you and you really don't need to pay much attention to God's plan as it relates to other people in the world around you. You just need to focus on you. Underemphasis begets self-hate. So you have self-indulgence, that's a trap, but you also have self-loathing. 
That's another trap. That God doesn't regard or care for or is mindful of individuals. That God in the vast cosmos is not thinking about and doesn't give a darn about you. Or doesn't care about your family or your people group. I think in Genesis we have an opportunity to, to take seriously the truth that the creator has a plan for history and for humanity. And that includes real people. That included people like Abram and Sarai. And it really does include people like you. It includes people like us. It includes people like our families and our close friends and associates. And it definitely includes this little church. Take seriously the fact that God has a plan for humanity and even for you. And the question, why me? And maybe you don't have an answer to that question. Well, I hope you stick with us for the next several months. Because I think you're going to discover the answer to that. But the the, the question, why me, should also lead to an equally important question, why us? In us, in the church, the universal church of all time, and then a little particular church like Deep Run Church. Why us? Uh, Why us? The answer for that is that the creator has made a new humanity. That is what God is doing in the Bible. He is making a new humanity and he gives life. He he, he zaps us into life right here. Right here when he says to Abraham, I have a plan and you're right in the middle of it. Genesis 1 through 11, it is the history of how humanity fell individually and corporately. And Genesis 12 through chapter 50 is the history of how God began to remake humanity through this one person and his family. And 2,000 years after Abram, Jesus had dinner with another Jewish man. Named Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was hated. He was a Jewish man who was seen as a traitor because he was kind of siding with the Romans in order to make money. And uh, everybody hated Zacchaeus, but Jesus said, Hey, I'm going to come and hang out with you today and have dinner with you. And interacting with Jesus changed Zacchaeus' life, changed his life. Read about it in Luke chapter 19. And as a result of this transformation that took place in Zacchaeus, Jesus said this. Today, salvation has come to this house since he also is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Now, look, Zacchaeus is Jewish and Jesus is Jewish. So when Jesus says Zacchaeus, too, is a son of Abraham, is he Abraham? Is he just being redundant? Not at all. Not at all. Jesus knows that Zacchaeus is a blood descendant of Abram. But now Jesus is saying Zacchaeus is finally a faith descendant of Abram. And what does that mean? What does it mean to be a faith descendant of Abram? It means to believe what Abram believed. That all of our hope is bound up in the promises 
this one God makes to us. As we read earlier, Paul to the Galatians, Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Galatians 3. And we're going to see how all of God's promises to this one family and to you, all of them were fulfilled in Jesus. I had said at the beginning uh, that God's plan for all of us was first implemented in one of us. It is very true also that God's plan for all of us was finally fulfilled in one of us, Jesus himself. And as we look at Abram and Sarai and their children and their grandchildren and their great-grandchildren, we're going to understand, I pray, what it means to live by faith, which is to say what it means to truly follow Jesus. So why Genesis? Because our church needs a vision for God's faithfulness in the midst of our unstable and uncertain lives. And particularly an unstable, uncertain ministry context. Why Abram? Because we need to see that God's blessing comes by faith and not by status. By faith and not by competency. Why me? Because God's plan incorporates real people, people like you. The Genesis family was, yes, it's true, I admit it, they were far removed from our contemporary circumstances. Uh, But the threats that they faced, you're going to see. The threats that they faced, the temptations that their hearts chased after, which led them to blunder and mistake after blunder and mistake. And uh, their, their journeys of faith very much resemble our own. So let's begin to gain insight for our instability and for our uncertainty by looking at how, how God worked through theirs. God's salvation plan is vast enough for all of humanity and personal enough for you. Do you believe that? I'm inviting you to believe that. Jesus invites you to believe that God's salvation plan is directly for you. Why don't you take it seriously? For you, for your loved ones, for your family, for the people that you call your own. Take God's plan and take his promises seriously regardless of what you're going through in your life right now. And let's begin the journey together. Let's pray. Father, who are we to understand these things? These these ancient cultures, uh, these remote people, uh, we know very little about. Lord, thank you for the witness Uh, of the patriarchs uh, that you gave uh, to Moses and to the ancient Israelites, we are benefiting from them now.
uh, Lord, open our eyes and engage our minds and pierce our hearts that we would see Jesus in Abram's story, uh, that we would comprehend your sovereign plan, your irresistible grace in the stories of the ancestors of our faith. Uh, Please guide us uh, and enable us to have ears to hear. Amen.